Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where we aim to give you the knowledge and confidence to move from residential into commercial property investment. I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. It's a few years now since we started, but I remember starting off in residential investment just like you, and in the end, I slowly found out that a bigger deal for me was going to be commercial property. And our first one was a multi-let, and we've ended up sticking to that niche right up to today. It's been a fabulous niche for us, and during the process of sharing information with you on these podcasts, I do discuss general commercial investment, but also CMO investment, or commercial multiple occupancy. It occurred to me, after a few one-to-one calls with commercial investors, actually, People may be thinking that finding and buying a CMO deal, your first one, is a bit more complicated than it actually needs to be. So in this special 20th episode, I can't believe it's the 20th, 20th episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible for you. I'm going to give you some ideas on how to make this whole search thing much easier and with less risk. See, it's worth pointing out our first three acquisitions all had some clients and income coming in already. They were just not run very well, or at least as well as they could be. All three of them were bought off market, or at least under market. Some of them basically were off market. Nobody knew about them. We were the only people that knew about the deals. Or they were with an agent who kind of knew us through other activities, but they weren't advertising it. So they approached us directly. In fact, when I think about it, almost 90% of our purchases have actually had some form of multi-let income already in place. So here's some thoughts to help you get moving with this great strategy. And it doesn't matter whether you're based in Edinburgh, London, Basingstoke, America or Australia or anywhere else in between. It really doesn't matter, by the way. There will be existing ones in your market right now. So the point of this podcast is to suggest to you that actually all around you there are probably multi-let buildings and ones that aren't actually maybe being optimised right now. Because at the end of the day, this is how we found our first ones. It was through buildings that were already being run as multiple occupancy, but by somebody else. And they didn't really quite have a handle on the potential for the property. So the first thing I want us is look for them in your local area. Now, they may be disguised and not easy to spot, but there will be lots around you. And you might not be aware of them. So I just have a think. When you go to the vets, perhaps the dentist, or, or even to the, the lawyer you use for your residential purchases, perhaps your accountant, maybe even where you get your hair cut, a lot of these guys tend to be in buildings with other tenants. So it may not appear to you as something basic like an office building or perhaps um, a shopping mall, But actually, a lot of these joined up units 
can be multi-let buildings that are owned by one landlord. That's basically what defines them. They're, they're owned by one company or one landlord who lets out all individual units to different businesses. So remember what these properties are and what they're not. I mean, they could be lots of different things, as I say, and it is not necessarily as narrow as just offices. It could be the row of shops that you go to. It could be a set of warehouses. It could perhaps be a storage site. Do you do any self-storage yourself? Do you park your stuff somewhere? Maybe that self-storage site is actually part of a bigger mix of buildings. And of course, there's just the whole mixed development. There may be some leisure there. You might go to somewhere for bowling or you might go somewhere for coffee shop or something like that. And actually, it's part of a larger multi-let property. So the third thing to think about are what, what are the telltale signs to actually look out for in your local market? Because during those conversations, it's occurred to me that some people have buildings in their local area and they've not really thought of those as potential acquisition targets. They've actually just looked at them and thought, well, oh yeah, there's a couple of people that do multi-let or yeah, it's something that's in my area, but yeah, how am I going to duplicate that or replicate it? Well, maybe you don't have to. Maybe the building that's there could be the opportunity for you. Certainly, as I say, most of the acquisitions we've made have actually been multi-let already. They've just not been done very well. In fact, there was only one property we've ever bought that was actually vacant, completely vacant. All the others had some sort of income coming in already. So some of the telltale signs to look out for. It might be that they have a shared roof. That's an example perhaps where you go to get those services we were talking about earlier on, do they have a shared roof with other buildings? Do they maybe share parking? And obvious is that, you know, simply you can see there's multiple occupants. There may be a directory on the, on the entrance that tells you all the different people that are in there. And as I say, it may be your hairdresser or perhaps your accountant who's in a shared building. Another good giveaway, of course, is when you're pottering around or you're out in your car and you see an agent sign or a letting agent sign near a building or some properties and it says space to let from 100 square feet up to, I don't know, 10,000 or 20,000 square feet. That's a sign that this building could be split up and probably already has been and the, the owner is willing to take more than one occupant. So agent sign saying space to let from and up to a larger number is a sign that this is perhaps a building that's going to be a multiple occupancy. So the fourth thing is, what are the issues? Or of course, you're looking out for the issues, but really, they're opportunities. Because it's all about adding value through increasing the income. Remember, commercial really gives you a great opportunity to add value in ways just not achievable in residential. You can add lots of different things to the income that will effectively increase the value of the property. So have a think about some of those things we've discussed before. And what are the things that the building are telling you when you're looking at it? I mean, could it, for instance, be that the signage on the building is just poor or maybe there isn't any? Can it be marketed better? Is there perhaps just an increase in offering? Maybe at the moment it's a case of here's your keys, good luck. And that's it. You take your unit and you take your chances. Perhaps you could offer something more. Perhaps you could offer more um, infrastructure. Perhaps you could offer more services such as um, internet access or perhaps even somebody to act more as a reception type of offering. 
could you perhaps build or extend? Is there ground there that's not being utilised? It's just sitting there with some tumbleweed in it. Could you perhaps divide the space up more effectively than it has been? Or perhaps the toilets and things, they've all got windows, but there's offices in the middle that don't. And there's stuff that you can change around to make the offering for the clients much more appealing. You need to think of ways you can build stickiness into the offer. Reasons for people to stay. But the real key things to look out for, if you're looking at whether this is an opportunity, is, is the building fully let? If it is, then... That might not be a bad sign, but it might be a sign that the potential purchase price might be higher than you wish. Now, the first building we bought was fully let, but they hadn't really worked out what the market rate was and they were far below it. So being fully let doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a good deal. It just might mean that the price will be higher than you anticipate. So if you can find buildings with partial vacancy, then you've got an opportunity to immediately add value by increasing the income. And it might be that they're just not run with any sort of intensity. Perhaps the landlord is maybe trying to do it themselves whilst doing another business or getting involved in other things on the site. And and it's just kind of a half-arsed thing. It's just something they do on the side. Or perhaps another great sign is, is it run by agents, particularly national agents, letting agents, on behalf of absent landlords? Because, as I've said before, nothing nothing wrong with agents. They've definitely got their place. But when it comes around to multi-let, they do find it a struggle to work out how to let these spaces. So it might be that if it's run by agents, it's not fully let, the signage isn't great, then actually this might be an opportunity. And if you go into the property, has it got any soul? Does it feel like there's energy in the building or does it feel like it's energy sapping? And you can change that. It doesn't have to be that way all the time. There are things you can do with design and how you lay it out that will improve the soul of the building. And then the one that I've touched on before, key things to look out for is bad signage. Things that have been there for years, which kind of makes it look like nobody gives monkeys. Or indeed, there's none at all, or the signage is buried under grass and foliage, and actually nobody even knows the building's there anymore. And that kind of leads on to the last winter. It's just, just poor external maintenance. If people can't see the building, there is no soul, it doesn't look like anybody cares, there's not really an intensity, and it's not fully let, are all signs that put people off. And they're great things to look for because those are things you can affect and make changes to. So what are the advantages of actually buying an existing location, which is what this podcast is about, rather than just going out there and trying to find a vacant building, which I think some of you may be considering that that's what you need to do. But if you can buy one that has an existing income, then for lending purposes, it's going to be much easier because there's something to lend against. And the banks or indeed even private investors will see it as a less risk. And that's because of the income. And some may, of course, say that it's added risk because it's only partly proven and it may or may not work as a property. But I think having some income there is overall a good thing because it reduces the risk on actually taking on the building. 
And it just might be they've just not established traction yet, or they haven't managed to focus on it properly to actually increase that occupancy and that income level. And that really leads on because they're just not thinking about it from an optim optimization point of view. How can they, how can you improve the income? And of course, by buying a building that has income and less risk, you'll be able to learn without fully committing to a completely vacant new project. Those can maybe come later. And as I said, the first three that we bought, they, they all had occupants and they all had income, which reduced the risk for us. It's only in the latter stages now when we're starting to buy much bigger buildings, buildings that I would have not even dreamt of looking at, let alone buying when we first started out. But you need to start somewhere. And by taking on buildings with that little bit of income, you reduce the risk and it gives you a chance to learn. So what do you actually do when you locate one of these buildings, though? I mean, how, how do you actually find anything else about it? Or how do you find out who owns it? So a simple one is obviously ask about. Agents are a good place to start. Who is the agent that's looking after the building? Perhaps approach them from the point of view of maybe taking space. Perhaps if you know the agent, you can ask them who the owner is, who, uh, who the landlord is, what their circumstances are. A little bit like the ferreting you would do when you were looking for residential. Lawyers are another good place because often these professionals and accountants, of course, will come across the owners or the occupants in their line of work because they'll have multiple SME clients in these types of buildings or indeed own them. And although um, they won't tell you everything, you may be able to find out enough to get to the next stage. Of course, another option is talk to some of the occupants. I've done that in the past. I've gone in and just spoke. I mean, often if these buildings aren't managed by anybody, there's nobody on the door, you can um, get in and just have a chat with people. And again, it might be you're talking about perhaps taking space. It might be you're looking at options for your own business. So talk to the occupants. Find out what you can. And of course, when you're doing that, ask what the pain points are. So what you're trying to learn, what you're trying to pick up is what, what are the things that are annoying those customers? Now, they must see some value in it because they're in there and they're paying a rent. But there will be some things that are annoying them or things that they would like to have fixed by the landlord. And perhaps those pain points are things that you could do relatively quickly, which would allow you to perhaps either A, attract new tenants or B, perhaps increase the, the income that you're having from the existing tenants. So, so these are things to look at. And of course, the other one is have a look around and see what the occupancy is like. The less occupancy, the more opportunity. The more fuller it is, the higher the occupancy, the less negotiation you've got on price. But that's why when you're looking at your first one, you maybe want to look at something that's got a bit higher occupancy. And the things that you can do are not as large or not not as significant in terms of capital or in terms of risk because a lot of the occupancy is already there. Another question to look or try and find out is client turnover. How many people are coming and going through there? And of course that could be for many things. It could be location, it could be the service, it could be the access to the building, it could be the price, it could be... Um, the other occupants, there could be many things, but it's trying to establish what are the problems and therefore what can you fix? What are the opportunities for you? So then the approach itself would be, 
again, through different ways, but it could be through the accountant, the lawyer, or my favourite one, or the one certainly I've had the most success with, is just networking. It's getting out in the swim and meeting people. And for me, most of our properties have actually come through networking. Most of them have been off market. And it's come from, not necessarily from networking with agents or um, people that are specifically in the industry, but it might be with other investors. It might be with other business owners. It might be with people who are perhaps getting nearer to the point in their career where they want to make a change or downsize. And you just have to think to yourself, where am I going to meet these types of people? I appreciate networking physically right now and getting close to people is not as easy, but that will pass. So there is things you can do on the internet, but this will pass and you'll be able to get out and meet people again at close quarters with lots of others. But asking around and being known from previous dealings, now it might be that you've maybe spoken to an agent before about a building, but you never did a deal, you never bought anything with them, but the fact that you've had that conversation, you've networked them, you've built a relationship. That's what networking is, it's building a relationship. You've done that with that agent. Then when the next property comes up or opportunity, they may well get in touch with you and ask you if you're interested. And that happened to us for this property number two for us. It was a property that wasn't on the open market. The landlord didn't really know what they were doing with it. They didn't particularly, didn't fit with them. It was too small, although it's a jolly big building for us. It didn't fit their property portfolio and their model. And this agent had been given the task of maybe trying to find somebody off market because what they didn't want to do was scare the current tenant and lose that income by saying, you know, it's on the market. We don't know what to do with it. We may be selling it because that can unsettle occupants. So they put it out through an agent who got in touch with me almost straight away because we'd already had previous dealings. So get out there and build those relationships. And I've spent lots of time looking for, for buildings and I've spent time driving around places, getting maps out, locating buildings on the internet, going have a looking, going and having a look at them. And that has sometimes bared fruit. But I have to say, most of the time it's come from finding the person first and then the building afterwards. So through networking, through building relationships and people learning what it is you're actually doing. Now, of course, if you combine all of this topic that we've been discussing here about finding buildings in your local area and that has some income, because we're talking about how can you make this not a huge adjustment for you, but something that you can ease into on that first development. So perhaps if you've managed to find a building with income that's maybe not on the market and you have your own business or indeed a friend's business or indeed just one or two within your network that would move into that building if you changed X, Y and Z, now you've really mitigated the risk. And a critical thing is you've got the building past phase one before you've even really bought it. Because as I've said before, there's three development phases with CMOs or multiple occupancies. The first one is just getting the bums on seats, getting the numbers working. The second phase is when you then look at developing that building, developing the offer, increasing the income, either through additional services or when people move out, encouraging new people in with a higher rent because you've created more stickiness and more reason for people to be there. You've upped the value for the offering for the client. And therefore, the rent they're going to pay you will increase, which in turn increases the value of the property. 
but you've done that with as little risk as possible. And then the third phase, of course, is that maintaining phase. Once you've got it up to optimum level, and then you're well on your way be to being able to get the next building. So it's just like that. Find one local. I know it sounds simple, but find one local, perhaps. One that's already in existence. It's maybe off the radar. It's maybe not on the market. And ferret around and see what you can find out. Because the next one after that could be the more adventurous development, the one that makes you lots and lots of money. But this one will get your foot in the door and started. So my aim today is really has been to show there can be acres of diamonds in your own backyard, as Russell Conwell would say. It can be staring you right in the face. So don't spend all this time looking out there for magical buildings on the other side of the country. Just look around where you are. And one thing I can assure you, by sitting at home on your backside carrying out endless internet searches is not really going to help you. You need to get out there and find them. So, thanks for your support. Please take a moment to get in touch if you need any help, of course. Just go to the show notes for the various ways to get in touch. And if you felt inspired by this, please nip over to leave a review. It really is easy to do. It has a big impact on the podcast. And we would really, really like it. So, all the best. Until next time. <laughs>